Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is June the 16th, 2017, and as always, it is terrific uh, to get together with you at the end of the week, uh, play that game of catch-up, and try to figure out what is going on, why it's going on, and goodness gracious, where do we go from here? Uh, Thank you for joining me. I hope you've had a great week. If you're familiar with my program, if you're familiar with what I'm all about, then you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, the old INS, an agency that in the wake of the terror attacks of 9-11 morphed into um, the agency now known as the Department of Homeland Security and was divided into three separate agencies, ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, their mission, Interior Enforcement of the Immigration Laws, And then there's Customs and Border Protection, pardon me, and as their name implies, these are the inspectors at ports of entry that inspect cargo and people seeking entry into the United States, and also the U.S. Border Patrol and their support staff, CBP, it is worth noting, employs over 60,000 people um, and uh, gets an annual budget greater than $14 billion a year. And then we get to United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, an agency that is responsible for the adjudication of applications for a wide variety of immigration benefits, uh, including the granting of political asylum, conferring lawful immigrant status upon aliens present in the United States, and even uh, the naturalization process whereby aliens who meet certain criteria having been lawfully admitted Uh, for either three or five years, depending on whether or not they're married to American citizens and meet other prerequisites, at least in theory, and we'll get into a little bit about why I say that, uh, are then uh, eligible to apply for United States citizenship. And uh, my focus since 9-11 has been on the multitude of failures of the immigration system that not only enabled the attacks of 9-11, but subsequent attacks and how these other failures or these multiple failures of the immigration system have impacted other issues uh, that undermine public safety, national security, the health and well-being of Americans, um, and also the American dream for Americans. And so many lies have been told by so many people who have so much to gain, uh, literally and figuratively making out like bandits. It's the great swindle. Uh, this, This swindle... Uh, certainly surpasses uh, by, I don't know what magnitude, Bernie Madoff's chicanery and uh, perhaps even the bank failures and all the other nonsense. This has been and has evolved into uh, virtually an invasion of the United States orchestrated by politicians who have been bought and paid for by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, bought and paid for by special interest groups, bought and paid for by people who do not care and organizations who do not care about America or Americans or morality 
or our safety or our survival for these individuals and those organizations behind this. Uh, anybody who is killed by criminals or terrorists or dies of drug overdoses, whatever it is, they are nothing more than collateral damage. And they've been very effective, and this has been going on since at least Jimmy Carter, when he insisted that immigration agents stop referring to illegal aliens as illegal aliens, insisted that we call them undocumented immigrants. It was part of a calculated long-term strategy through the use of language, and this is not about being politically correct, this is Orwellian. Um, and it's been done to blindside Americans, to convince Americans to act against what clearly is against their own best interests. It's been a remarkable scam. What is depressing, what is worrisome is how many supposedly intelligent Americans have fallen for this uh, con job, if you will. And so every week I try to dissect it using uh, the latest bits and pieces of information in the news. And it's something that I hope you find helpful because, you know, we keep hearing about fake news. Uh, there is no argument that could be made that there is integrity to the news process. That's not to say that there aren't still good journalists out there, that there aren't still programs out there that will provide information but increasingly, they are going the way of the dodo bird, the passenger pigeon, uh, and the saber-toothed tiger. They are becoming extinct. And so my mission has been, especially since 9-11, to provide as many Americans as possible with accurate, authoritative, fact-based, and experience-based information to help to decipher the mess and to counter the propaganda, the lies, the nonsense, the fake news, the accusations, and the bullying tactics of what I've come to call the open borders immigration anarchists. So, again, I, I hope you find the show interesting. I try to make it as interesting as I can. And if you do, I have a request. Please tell as many of your friends about my program. Please tell them about my website, michaelcutler.net, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, C-U-T-L-E-R, one word, michaelcutler.net. Uh, also, for years, I've been writing for Californians for Population Stabilization, capsweb.org. I write for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, The Social Contract. And of late, I have begun blogging for Newsmax, and I appear frequently on Newsmax programs. In fact, <clears throat> I joined my old friend Bill Tucker on Newsmax earlier today to cover much of the same material that I'm going to discuss with you right now. And uh, what I want to begin focusing on is the fact that Congress is at it again. They just passed a bill that would increase the number of immigration agents and do all this great uh, stuff for us. Congressman Raul Labrador's bill, um, very important legislation. It seems to be making its way through the House. We'll see what happens when it goes to committee if it's, if it's passed through the House and if it then goes on to the Senate and so forth, I anticipate President Trump will sign it. But let's see what they do to it when it goes to conference committee. So for all that good news, we have some terrible news. Sorry about that. I know it's Friday. I know it's uh, Father's Day weekend. But uh, we've got to deal with reality. So let's deal with reality. And the reality today is a bill called H.R. 
6060. This is a dangerous piece of legislation, and I'm going to explain why to you. It's called the Enlist Act. And um, something very similar to this bill was attempted about three years ago, 2014. It was defeated. And as I wrote in an article for Front Page Magazine, my most recent article that's up on their website, I hope that there'll be a new article posted Sunday night or Monday um, about two Hezbollah operatives that were arrested in the United States. I'm going to touch on it briefly today, and I plan to discuss it a lot more thoroughly next week, so something for you to look forward to next week. But it, it dovetails with today's article, because the Enlist Act, would provide illegal aliens who join our military with a pathway to lawful immigrant status, presuming they complete uh, a minimum period of time and are discharged, um, you know, they get a good conduct uh, discharge from the military that they've served and so forth. Sounds good. I know there are some very good members of Congress supporting the legislation, which surprised me and upset me, and I plan to reach out to at least a couple of them personally. And by the way, when, when I'm on this program and you get information, whether it's from my program, whether it's from my articles or my appearances in the media, please, I beg you, I want you desperately to get in touch with your elected representatives. Not to have a fight with them, that's not right. We'll, we'll leave that for the Looney Tunes. But fact-based arguments. And then the article that I wrote for frontpagemag.com, here's the title. If you go to the website, you'll see it. Go to my website, michaelcutler.net. You'll see it. Please read it in its entirety. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit more. Check out the links and read the articles to which I provide links. I don't just do it so I can put links into an article. I do it because I want you to have the entire truth. This nonsense of trying to figure out What's going on by reading a newspaper headline is an absurdity. It doesn't work. I never read Cliff Notes back in school. I always read the full book. You don't get the full information. And knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And the more you are equipped with the facts and knowledge, the stronger an advocate you can be when you approach your elected representatives, when you have conversations with your neighbors. We have got to open a dialogue across America. And in fact, to that point, if you are familiar with any opportunities for speaking engagements, I ask that you reach out to me. I've traveled clear across the United States, from Seattle to California to Texas to Alabama to Arizona to Montana, Minnesota. We can go down the whole list of where I've been. Suffice it to say, this is about getting information into the hands of the American people who can then apply pressure by calling and meeting with their elected representatives. That's the ultimate goal here, to empower you with information you're not going to get in the mainstream media. Most of what you get is watered down or plain old-fashioned lies. Um, you know, if you look at Newsweek magazine, um, <laughs> they're praising the leader of Germany, Merkel, calling her Mama Merkel, for admitting millions of refugees into Germany. Look, I'm, I'm Jewish. My family was decimated in the Holocaust. I was named for my mother's mother, my grandmother, who was killed in Poland because of our religion. But when we start to admit people who can't be vetted and where it is clear that terrorists are being embedded among those individuals, 
compassion goes out the window because the first compassion ought to be geared towards protecting the lives of the citizens of the country, whether it's in England or Germany or the United States. Governments should make their own citizens their priority. And if you look at this Newsweek article, you know, (laughs) Mama Merkel, my goodness gracious, uh, we've seen terror attack after terror attack after terror attack, and the front page of of Newsweek is boasting about what a great thing Merkel is doing by bringing in people, and let's be blunt, that can't be vetted. You don't know who's who without a scorecard. They have no scorecards, and if they do have scorecards, most assuredly, they're either counterfeit or were inappropriately issued by corrupt government officials or when office buildings, for example, in Syria were overrun. So the idea that we're going to allow people into a country when we can't verify their identities at a time when we've had the head of the CIA and the former head of the FBI testifying before Congress that terrorists are seeking to embed themselves in this refugee flow, this is an act of suicide. But don't tell that to the editors of Newsweek. They're falling over themselves, and they're making Merkel into this hero Meanwhile, she's endangering the lives of her own citizens. And as the leader of a country, first and foremost, first and foremost, should be looking out for the lives of the citizens, uh, of their fellow citizens. You know, much the way that a, a parent looks out for the well-being of their children, government leaders are supposed to look out for the citizens that they represent. Boy, what a novel thought that is. And that's why I think Donald Trump is getting so much flack. Look, there are times that his language is, to say it mildly, in artful, uh, without nuance. Uh, there's a problem. There's a messaging problem. But that's not why he is attracting the attacks. I believe that the attacks that he's being hammered with have everything to do about globalists from both political parties who are thoroughly upset that he is ending their gravy train of globalism. This isn't about left or right, folks. This is about globalists versus populists, about those who seek sovereignty and those who don't care about sovereignty. And especially in a perilous era where terrorists and criminals are seeking to enter other countries to ply their trades, whether it's the gangs, the drug traffickers, or the terrorists, this is the time that you need to look through the peephole before unlocking your door. And yet the globalists want to remove the doors altogether. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. And so I wrote this article for Front Page Magazine, When Compassion Endangers National Security, the subtitle, The Landmines of Illegal Aliens Entering Military Service. Very important article. I want you to read it in its entirety because I I think – Once you read my article, you will see how the world looks through my eyes. You know, and if you look at the article, you'll see that I I talked about a situation in the late 70s, early 80s that I was personally involved with. It was discovered to everyone's horror that some naval recruiters and marine recruiters who were being pressured to come up with a quota of new recruits were furnishing bogus ID to um, illegal aliens, not from Mexico, 
you know, this, this mythology, this is all about Mexico, Mexicans. No, not at all. Um, they were providing ID to uh, citizens of Jamaica, of Panama, the Caribbean, countries that um, uh, were from all over the world, but primarily the Caribbean uh, and that section. And these illegal aliens joined the military, primarily the Marines, went through boot camp, took training in firearms and tactics, wound up stealing a bunch of heavy weaponry, and then using the weapons and their training to stage a series of deadly, violent, commando-style bank robberies all over the New York City area back then. And so I worked closely. It was, wasn't an official group, but we, we all got together and we got our boss's approval to do this. And I wound up working with the New York City Police Department, with ATF, and with what was then the Office of Naval Intelligence, now it's NCIS, Naval Criminal Investigative Service, tracking down the illegal aliens who were involved in the crimes, and Naval Intelligence went after the recruiters. A bunch of them were brought brought up on criminal charges and went to prison, and we locked up quite a few illegal aliens who were shooting people during these bank robberies. And where did they get their training, and where did they get their weaponry? in the military bases. So the idea of taking illegal aliens whose identities can't be verified, you know, forget about the application, forget about the vetting process. Let's get away from the nonsense you're hearing on television. Because I I want to make a point. I want to start out by talking about something that I've spoken about before, but I want you to put this into context. And I don't care what television programs you watch, with the exception of Newsmax, One American News Network, the Dana program, most shows, or I'll say just about all shows, I don't always watch every program, um, and you have to have a strong stomach, especially with certain programs on certain networks. But even the networks that I like, they never have former immigration agents on to talk about the issues. If there's a military issue, they bring in retired generals, retired commandos, retired Air Force pilots and admirals, right? If the story is about a homicide, they'll bring in homicide detectives who've retired from major police departments. When the story is about science, they'll bring in former astronauts and biochemists. And There's no shortage, no shortage of true subject matter experts who they bring before the cameras to explain to the audience what what's going on. But I want you to stop and think about it. When was the last time the discussion turned to immigration and the person who came on the program was a former agent who enforced the laws. Probably the 12th of never. You know, in the weeks, months, and even for a few years after 9-11, I was averaging 15 television interviews per month. Per month. ABC, CNN, Fox News, M- uh, did I say MSNBC and CNN, all the networks. Mr. Cutler, can you come in? We're talking about immigration. You've been before all these congressional hearings. You gave testimony to the 9-11 Commission. We need you to explain what's happening. And then all of a sudden, and I think if I remember correctly, it was, this happened contemporaneously with passage of uh, Citizens United, where unlimited amounts of money basically could be given to political campaigns, and suddenly the phone calls stopped. You also had networks that went to second language subsidiaries that are very lucrative. Do you think that those networks want 
someone to come on the program to convince people that illegal aliens should be deported because then they lose viewership and they base the amount of money they charge for airtime for commercials on viewership. The more people who turn to the channel, the more they can charge for the airtime because more people are getting the message. When you start getting rid of illegal aliens, you're getting rid of part of their audience. So there's many factors. So the problem that we have is that you're hearing nonsense being spewed by people with no real-world experience. And lawyers, you know, they, they know what the law says, but they don't know what the real world looks like when they get out of their law library or when they get out of the courtroom. The real world is an alien place to them. Uh, forgive me for using the word, by the way, alien. So they don't know what the truth is, but they come on TV, which is a good thing for them because it drums up business for their law practice, and after all, isn't that what it's all about? Getting more people through the door, getting more clients, etc., etc., etc. So let's be a mythbuster. When people say, well, we're going to screen them, we're going to do criminal checks, here's how it works. You run fingerprints and you run a name. If the person is lying about his name, the name check is gone. If the person ran the border, entered without inspection, the odds are quite good that the fingerprints will show nothing. And remember, when you're dealing with terrorists in particular, they generally pick, the terrorist organizations aren't stupid, they generally pick people who've kept a low profile, who are relatively young, who don't have known rap sheets or known affiliations of terrorist organizations. You run the fingerprints and you get nothing. You run the name and it's a make-believe name, or maybe it's even their own name and they're just not known to anybody because they're brand new at this. The, you know, So you get these people that are newbies, clean fingerprints. What does it tell you? Nothing. Nothing. But everyone says, oh, we're going to take fingerprints, and we're going, to, we're going to take biometrics. And by the way, the interesting thing was I raised the issue of biometrics after the 93 bombing at the World Trade Center and the attack at the CIA when I testified before Congress back in May of 1997. And I was told that because of that hearing and my recommendations, Raytheon got a contract to start using real-time electronic fingerprinting for immigration. Up until then, believe it or not, 1998, we were still mailing fingerprint cards to the FBI. So the guy that's in custody, we don't know who he is or she is. We mail him the fingerprint card, and, you know, eight weeks later we get a notice. Where is he? He's wanted for a triple homicide. Where is he? We deported him two days after we ran the fingerprints, you see. So what I used to do is I used to run up to DEA and use their fax machine to fax the fingerprints over to FBI headquarters and we wound up with a bunch of criminals with outstanding warrants for murder, weapons, drugs, armed robbery, all kinds of crazy crimes. In fact, because of that, we identified a couple of guys that are about to go on the FBI's 10 most wanted list who are doing a bunch of violent bank robberies. And uh, we got a very nice letter from the Joint Bank Robbery Task Force consisting of FBI and New York City police officers. So they were about to go on the 10 most wanted, but because I ran the fingerprints electronically, we figured out who they were before they were released. So fingerprinting may well be a problem. It's not definitive. This isn't TV. You know, they submit the fingerprints, and immediately you find out who his great-grandmother was and the fact that she had blue eyes. doesn't work that way. Really, 
often does not work that way. So let's understand that if we take people who are here illegally, who entered without inspection, there's no way of knowing who they are. There's no way of knowing when they actually entered the United States. There's no way of knowing what their age is. In fact, I was just talking to a good friend over at DHS saying that in the old days they used to run uh, illegal aliens where age was a factor, like dreamers kind of thing, bring them to dentists if they were making claims about age because a dentist is able to approximate a person's age by the development of their teeth. Think about that. So that came to a screeching halt. Anything that we could do and should do to get through the fraud, which the 9-11 Commission, by the way, identified as a key entry and embedding tactic, the things we should be doing, we're not doing. There are tools we should be using, but we're not using. So the notion of taking illegal aliens, who may be gang members, and there have been reports, go to my article, please read the article, and you'll see how big a problem gang activity is in the military. Gang graffiti showing up all over the Middle East, members of MS-13 and all these other groups. They're in the military, they get military training, they're stealing the weapons. Many of them are combat-hardened, they've been in combat. And then they come back to the United States and they set up shop in their little town, and they have the training, and they have the weaponry, and the cops are no match. So this endangers police. It endangers the residents of the communities. It endangers national security. Now, add to that the potential for terrorists. And that's why I have an article that's coming out in about another three or four days, I hope. It's up to my editor over at Front Page. But the idea is that we have two guys who are naturalized United States citizens, and they have been indicted and charged with being operatives for Hezbollah. One guy was recruited by Hezbollah and was told specifically, get a passport, get your citizenship, and get a passport. Why? Because an alien who is a dual national can easily travel around the world alternating passports to cover his or her tracks. And, in fact, what you may not know is that when an alien naturalizes, he or she can take on a new identity. So not only does the person have a U.S. passport in addition to, let's say, a passport from Lebanon, but in a totally different name. And what's worse, and I've addressed this issue and I've testified before Congress and nothing was done about it, when aliens naturalize, they can take a new day, a new name, rather, forgive me, a new name without even being charged extra. Their passport will only reflect their new name. In essence, we have bad guys being provided with an opportunity to put themselves into their own private uh, witness protection program, in the manner of speaking. A number of years ago, a good friend of mine who had been an inspector, a very diligent guy who took his job super seriously, called me up. He said, Mike, I'm having nightmares. Can you discuss this with anybody in Washington? And I said, okay, what have you got? Let me see what I can do. And he told me a story at a major port of entry how an individual with a U.S. passport who had a plain average sort of Anglo name, um, my top secret had expired, and I didn't have a need to know. So let's say the guy used the name Robert Anderson. And he ran the name through the computer as he was supposed to do, and it came up no record. And he flipped through the passport, and it said his place of birth, Lebanon. Spoke with a very heavy Arabic accent had a dark, swarthy complexion. He said, wow, this guy looks kind of Arabic. I'm willing to bet, he thought to himself, that this guy wasn't the child of Americans who were overseas, 
but probably naturalized. So he asked the guy, what was your name before you naturalized? And the guy immediately told him, and it was an Arabic name, and he ran the Arabic name, and lo and behold, the computer just about blew up. This guy was a wanted international terrorist who for four years had been traveling around the world on basically an assumed identity that we gave him. And according to the passport stamps, he'd been all over Latin America, Europe, and the Middle East on what was essentially an assumed identity. This endangers our allies and innocent people all over the world. This guy had access to airplanes in the United States. He had access to corporate and government office buildings. He could have gotten a job that even if it didn't have uh, critical infrastructure um, capacity, might well have had a nexus to, um, I'm sorry, this didn't have national security implications, could have had critical infrastructure implications. So, so think about that. And all that they need to do is add the original name, but they won't do it. Why? I have no idea. Ask your congressman. Ask your congressman. For the price of less than a penny of ink to add the second name, we could protect ourselves and our allies. Too big a deal. And other countries are just as guilty of doing this foolishness, by the way. Why? Why? We can strip shirts little kids getting on airplanes. We strip search 85-year-old women getting on airplanes in their wheelchair maybe visiting with their families for the holidays for the last time, they're getting strip-searched. But God forbid you make the suggestion that that original name be recorded in the person's U.S. passport. Oh, we can't do that. I confronted Michael Chertoff, former Secretary of Homeland Security at an event in Chapman, at Chapman Law School about six years ago. I said, why aren't we doing something about it? He said, oh, you don't know how political it is. That's always the answer in Washington. It's too political. Is saving American lives, is protecting our allies political? See, this is the kind of garbage you're not going to hear on the 5 o'clock or the 6 o'clock or the 11 o'clock news. We undermine our national security by ineptitude, by corruption, by stupidity. Pick it, you know. Take your choice why we do this insanity. So they say, well, we're going to put these people on the bases. And we're going to make them into the military. And by the way, there's a section of law, and you can read about that also in my article, that says illegal aliens, if they are caught in possession of guns or ammunition, are committing a felony. But that doesn't matter because we're not serious about the laws. I know that uh, Jeff Sessions is. I know that President Trump is. But here we are, and, and you have a bunch of Republicans as well as Democrats reaching across the aisle bipartisan look out folks here it comes when you hear bipartisan looking to provide illegal aliens with a pathway to a green card in exchange for military service there was a guy by the name of Wissam Alush also a Lebanese who had worked for our military for a private contractor that worked for the military as a translator as a translator and then he applied for clearance when he got out of the military. He married a woman who was a military officer here in the United States. And then they finally discovered that, in fact, he'd been in an Israeli prison, allegedly for killing an Israeli soldier. He was a commander in the Hezbollah. So they prosecuted him successfully for lying on his application for U.S. citizenship, wherein he concealed all that information and lied and said he'd never been involved with any terrorist group or never been to jail and so forth. We some alush. One of how many? But you see, that's what's so mind-boggling for me. 
My dad used to say to me that there's no mistakes in life, only lessons if we learn from those things that go badly. And he said, if you find something doesn't work, change what you're doing. Because insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting a different result. The government is insane. Again and again and again and again and again, the same things. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, was a naturalized citizen. Tried to blow up a car bomb in, in, in the middle of Manhattan at Times Square, the crossroads of the world. The Tsarnaev brothers applied for citizenship. One was actually naturalized prior to the attacks. Now we, we saw the attack at Fort Hood, right? We see how the military bases are prime targets. If you're a terrorist, what's better than getting on a military base, getting the training, stealing the weapons, and then if they can kill our soldiers, they are killing them before they even get to go overseas to fight. This is like when we've seen the, the footage from the Second World War. Our fighter planes would strafe German and Japanese fighter planes while they sat on the ground before they could take off and engage them in a dogfight where maybe they would lose. You know, we looked to strafe them on the ground. For what purpose? To take out those airplanes before they could take flight. Do you not think that terrorists have the sense that if they attack a military base, Soldiers they kill in the, at the base are soldiers that will never confront them on the battlefield in the Middle East. Our military bases are prime, prime, prime targets. Please go to HR60, look at my article, and look to see which members of Congress have so far approved it. They keep an ongoing tally. The link is there. Take a look. Check it out. And if you find that your congressman is supporting H.R. 60, the Enlist Act, please call that member of Congress up. And again, the Congress member might be decent and well-intentioned, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You've got to reach out to these folks, and you've got to talk to your neighbors about reaching out to these folks. This is a dangerous idea whose time came and went and should never be seen again. Military bases are the last place on earth that I would want to put illegal aliens who snuck into the United States to evade the screening process conducted at ports of entry. H.R. 60, again, it's called the Enlist Act. And I'm enlisting your help to push back against the madness. Please give it thought. When you read the article, what I need you to do is look at the links. Look at what the FBI had to say about gang activity in the military, growing threats. Understand the problems that we're facing. This isn't xenophobia. And by the way, I'm not trying to say that any alien who served in the military is a bad guy. Goodness gracious, we've had so many decent people serve in our armed forces, including illegal aliens, some of whom grievously injured, some of whom made the ultimate sacrifice. Certainly they were trying to do the right thing. The problem is that the military targets are primary targets for America's enemies, whether they're spies, whether they're terrorists, whether they're enemy combatants, saboteurs, whatever word you want to use. Military bases are key venues that need to be protected and the protection starts by not giving uniforms and access to those bases 
by people whose purposes and identities are unknown and likely unknowable. That's why this is so wrong to do, and this is why I am asking you to please check out the names in my article. When you go to the right website, you'll see the, you'll click on the link. If you're a member of Congress or someone you know is on that list, they need to hear from us. And the tone you need to take is not one of charging, but saying, look, I believe you're trying to do the right thing. I know you're trying to do the right thing. However, this is why this legislation is a disaster. Please withdraw your support for the legislation. Very, 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 very important. So that's item number one that I had to get out of the way because this really presents a clear and present danger to America. Americans certainly endangers our armed forces and endangers their family members who live on those bases. We don't want terrorists and gang members on our military bases, folks. It's that simple. Oh, I get so angry and revved up when I start talking about some of these issues because it's hard to comprehend what some of our leaders are thinking. The next issue. For the longest time, here in New York and elsewhere, any effort to lock up criminal aliens was greeted with insults, and aggressive language against the agents, against the advocates for effective immigration law enforcement. Don't ask me how that's possible, but that's what's going on. And so now finally, Jeff Sessions as Attorney General, I think he's doing a superb job, is following up on the promises that he and President Trump made during the campaign. So they just issued a press release um, two days ago, Operation Matador, Nets. 39 MS-13 arrests in the last 30 days. And these were all aliens from Latin America, Central America, uh, engaged in gang activities out on Long Island and in Queens, New York. Now, I started investigating MS-13 in the early 90s. So that's on the order of 25 years ago. Hard to imagine that much time has passed, 25 years ago. Back then, MS-13 was a relatively small and almost insignificant gang. And they were competing for turf against a group known as SWP, Salvadorans with Pride. Uh, It's amazing what goes on with gangs. And by the way, if you watch a show I watched yesterday about how the Italian mob started in the United States shortly after the turn of the last century, history repeats itself. History repeats itself. So I began investigating MS-13 in the early 90s. Small problem, highly violent bunch, raping, stabbing, shooting, involved with drugs, involved with prostitution, involved with extortion. And President Obama opened up the borders to the unaccompanied minors. Well, guess what's happening? And CBS News just reported on it a day or two ago still trying to find the link so I can incorporate it into a new article. But it's turning out that a bunch of those unaccompanied minors are members of MS-13. MS-13 is believed responsible for well over a dozen homicides out on Long Island in the New York area within the last year, over a dozen. And who are they killing? Members of the ethnic immigrant Latino community. 
But we hear the narrative, you know, oh, you're anti-immigrant. You want to secure that border. You must be a xenophobe. You must be a nativist. Goodness, you can't make this stuff up. Meanwhile, it's those immigrants most at risk by transnational criminals. Whether we're talking about the Russian mob, Asian organized crime, doesn't matter. Because people tend to live within their own communities for a couple of reasons. It's where they're comfortable. They understand the language, the customs, the food, the female companionship if they're men. You know, they, they want to live as they did back home, only they want to do it in the United States. So the criminals, where do they go? They live within their same ethnic immigrant community, and they do it for another reason. They don't stand out. That's stealth mode. If somebody is Asian living in a predominantly black neighborhood, everyone's going to know that that person's there. Just human nature. Just human nature. But if you go to Chinatown, whether it's New York, whether it's San Francisco, there were Chinatowns in major cities around the United States. Predominantly, the people who live there are Asian. So they, they call no attention to themselves. But here's the point. By dealing with members of the ethnic immigrant community, they can apply pressure by threatening, and by the way, following up on the threat, to do harm to family members in the home country, wherever that is, if they don't comply with the gangsters. Go to the cops, you, you, your mother's going to disappear, you know. Don't take this bag for me to, to another city. My friend is waiting for you. You don't show up, your brother is going to disappear. They use family members back home as a pressure point that they can apply pressure and get the other member of that ethnic immigrant community to comply with whatever it is they want, to become a courier, what, what are the choice? They go to some guy and they say, my friend is waiting for you in Chicago. You're going to take the suitcase to him. And the guy says, well, I'm not going to. And they show him a picture of his daughter or his wife or his, his mother or his father. You want these people to disappear? You bring them that suitcase. And, and guess what? 90% of the time, those aliens, terrified out of their mind, and they know that if they go to law enforcement, not immigration, by the way, any law enforcement, that if the bad guys find out, they will act against the family member in the home country. This is the kind of madness that we're witnessing. So finally, what's happened? A couple days ago, CBS News reported that um, the Trump administration was going after MS-13 and that a number of them had been unaccompanied minors, and that's how they gained entry to the United States. It was an accurate story. So finally, some truth in the news. We should probably throw a party. I hope it becomes a habit. I'm not optimistic. But maybe finally people will see an end to the fake news. They will understand that what they're doing isn't journalism anymore. When you keep on insisting that there's something evil and wrong about deporting gang members who are killing people in the United States, then it's time for a reality check. And boy, has it been time for a reality check forever, forever. Because that has been the narrative, constant narrative. You know, the mean immigration agents are going after the immigrants. And that's why you have sanctuary cities. The sanctuary city is there to shield the undocumented from the evil immigration agents. 
Meanwhile, among the undocumented are the criminals and the gangbangers and the spies and the terrorists. I'd have a sip of coffee to wet my whistle, all this talking. But um, I just want all of you to stop and give thought to the lies that the media tell, to what the truth is, and to be a truth seeker to go out and look to try to read between the lines. And that's what my website's about. And I encourage you that if you read my articles, if you think I'm wrong, go elsewhere. Go elsewhere. Do your homework. Do your homework. You know, Father's Day is coming. Being a parent is the most important, most exciting, most rewarding job in the, in the universe. Uh, I, I can't tell you what my children and my granddaughter means to me. I live for them. They are my world, my universe. But if you're a good parent, then you need to be involved in politics. You need to be involved in the craziness. Because the world we leave behind our children is not going to be the world that we want it to be unless we change the equation. And the only way to do that is to get involved, to educate ourselves, to have those discussions with our neighbors, to have those discussions with our politicians, to make them understand that we're not as stupid as they hoped we are, item one, Item two, we also need to make certain that they understand um, that maybe they're getting it wrong. I have had the occasion when I have been able to convince politicians to reverse themselves on certain pieces of legislation, to say to them, are you understanding what this bill would do? I had that experience with a leader in Congress when George W. Bush was in the White House. He was pushing his guest worker program. I called it the guest worker amnesty program. And I bumped into a leader in the House of Representatives. We were both there. I was doing a speaking engagement. We were having a panel discussion on terrorism. And he was there to introduce us, you know, the usual photo op typical in Washington. And I approached him afterwards, and I said, you know, why are you doing this? And I laid it out for him. And it took me all of two minutes. And would you believe it if I tell you that within a week he did his own research and realized that I was right and his staffers who said this was a good program were wrong. And I was called, I was, um, called by the um, House Immigration Subcommittee at the time, and they wanted to know what I, what I had said to that member of Congress because they said he came in breathing fire. He was so angry. Because staffers had gotten it wrong. Why did they get it wrong? I'm not going to begin to speculate. <clears throat> Over the years, I've worked very closely with members of the House Immigration Subcommittee, and there's some really good people there, and there's still some very good people there. Um, but the, the problem is that sometimes people don't get it when they haven't been on the job, when they've never been an agent. You know, uh, Being an agent is a very special job because you have to know the law but then you also get a ringside seat to see what the real world looks like. Our laws are nothing like reality. You know, in physics, the laws of physics are immutable. The speed of light is not determined by somebody with a radar gun. You know, the speed of light is determined by the speed of light. It is what it is. And, it, and, and you know, there's no way of, of messing with it. But when you look at man's laws, if they're not enforced, they're like vestigial organs. They don't mean anything. You go on the highway, and how many times you see people speeding? 
so be it. But but light never speeds. Light is always doing what light is supposed to do because the laws of physics are immutable. But you see, congressmen and, and legislators around the country, state level, local level, they write laws, they write regulations. But very often, they have no idea what the real world looks like. They say, well, it would be a good idea if, and then they write the law. What they don't realize is how hard it is to enforce that law or how frequently the law is violated. So please understand, there's a bunch of reasons why reality doesn't match theory, especially in the wacky world of legislating laws and regulations are concerned. Sometimes, you know, they just add something to a law to make it look tough. You know, if an alien has been living in the United States for a certain period of time, and, and you'll hear people on TV say that. Well, isn't it reasonable if an alien has been living in the country for X number of years? By the way, you should know this. An alien living illegally in the United States for at least 10 years who has no, no criminal history and whose immediate family members would suffer undue hardship provided that those family members are themselves either lawful immigrants or U.S. citizens, that alien can apply for termination of removal so that we will give that alien lawful status. But, you see, in a case-by-case basis, that's doable, it's reasonable. You can go out, do an investigation, verify the information, who he is, when he or she got here, how many years it's been, and that's what an investigation is about. But when you wind up dealing potentially with millions of people, there's no way to interview millions There's no way to conduct millions of field investigations. There's only a couple thousand agents for that. So all they do is rely on the information put on the application. And as soon as aliens come to the understanding that physically there is no way for the government to verify the information so they can say whatever they have to say to qualify, that becomes an open invitation to fraud. But that doesn't get discussed on TV because they don't bring former agents on who could say, look, it's one thing to say that the alien had to have been living in the country for X number of years. It's quite another thing to ask, well, how do you verify the information? And if you can't verify the information, then it becomes an exercise in futility. But in this case, that exercise in futility can undermine national security and public safety. Because if you can't verify the information, you've created an invitation fraud. And that's what we keep saying. But again, this in part, I believe, is why most of the mainstream media does not want people like Mike Cutler to come on the program. And it doesn't have to be me. Other agents understand this, certainly. I've worked with a great bunch of men and women during my 30-year career who truly understand the issue. But somehow they'll bring in retired detectives and FBI profilers and homicide detectives and ATF gun experts and astronauts and scientists and you name it, but you'll never see an immigration agent on. When the topic turns to immigration, who do they put on? Pollsters, pundits, and political consultants. I'd love to know what the prerequisite is to be a political consultant. Goodness, that's, a, that's an outrageous concept. The triple P, pollsters, pundits, political consultants. They're the ones who come on to talk about immigration. 
doesn't happen with any other area, but immigration is special. And it's special because of the opportunities it provides for exploitation, for big monetary gain for the immigration anarchists, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, all those other groups that are out there, the advocacy groups, even labor unions. Blows my mind. What a betrayal. Unions used to be very concerned when they were hiring, when there was hiring that took place to undermine their workers. Now the unions with its members, their memberships generally down seek to recruit illegal alien workers so they can join the union and pay dues, and which gives them money and it increases their ranks and the more people they represent, the more political leverage they have. The only people being hurt by this big time is the average American, is the family who loses a family member to some thug who shouldn't have been in the United States in the first place, to the high-tech worker who's displaced by somebody from India, and to our military, by the way, that winds up confronting uh, other militaries, such as the Chinese military, building up their technology by sending their engineers to study in the United States. We now have over a half million foreign students studying the STEM curriculum, science, technology, engineering, and math, and India and China, far and away, send us more of those students than any other countries. We're educating our adversaries. This is never, ever a good idea. But don't let that stop our politicians. And, and again, we need to stop our politicians. That's the reason for my program. It's about having the information that's irrefutable so that you can sit down with a member of Congress and say to that member of Congress, H.R. 60 is a bad idea, and here's why it's a bad idea. I'll make another recommendation. Print up my article if you like it. Have a meeting with your congressman and hand it to them. And say, look, do you want to be responsible for the next terrorist attack? Because that is how dangerous this bill is. Please reconsider. When you read the article, you'll see it's chock full of facts. I'll wait till you find out next week about these two Hezbollah operatives who were scoping out locations to attack in Panama, in the United States, traveling to China to get some of the chemicals they needed. And when you see it, when the, the explanation for how Hezbollah is really a terror organization, you'll see all these people, the dual nationals, Lebanese Swede, Lebanese French, Lebanese Canadian. These are people who did not, would not need visas to enter the United States, caught with all kinds of weapons and explosive precursors. Dangerous world. And I really believe, folks, that if you go to your congressman or your congresswoman or your senator and furnish them with the information that's in my article, you may actually persuade them. It's been known to happen. But you don't do it by having a fight. You don't do it by having a screaming match. It's about being objective. It's about being fact-based. It's about keeping a cool head and just explaining the case. The facts certainly speak for themselves. I want to thank all of you for spending the day with me today. For uh, those men out there who are fathers, I wish you all a happy Father's Day. I hope you get to spend time with your children if you're blessed with your grandchildren, this is your day coming up on Sunday. 
Um, and for all that we hear about uh, the role that women play in raising children, and there's nothing like a mother, really isn't. Uh, it, it, it's ideal when there's two parents, the yin and yang of a husband and a wife, a mother and a father. Uh, however you want to look at it, I'm an old-fashioned sort of guy. I, I know that I might rile some people, but I, I do believe that uh, the balance that a mother and father provide a child um, is irreplaceable. So those of you who've um, done the great jobs that, that we need to do with our kids, I commend you for your hard work, your dedication. I know it was a labor of love or is a labor of love. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Uh, but meanwhile, please remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Roll up your sleeves, get involved, be part of my bucket brigade of truth, share my materials with as many folks as you can and ask them to do the same. Let's wake up our country. It's a dangerous era. And it's uh, the work all Americans must do. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week. Good night.